This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle. Get in on the conversation at 866-979-ESPN. Now here's your host, the professor, John Clayton. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Rick in Twin Lakes. Hey, Rick. Hey, good morning, John. Good morning. How are we doing? Oh, I'm doing just fine. Enjoying this um, gloomy weather. Yeah. Um, I was watching the Seahawks game uh, last Saturday, and uh, I don't think it was as bad as what everybody thought it was. Um, it was a preseason game. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, um, the uh, rookie left tackle took a lot of heat, mm-hmm. foresight. But I don't think that was all his fault. Um, first of all, the quarterback – He's got to be. He's got a rookie on his left side. He never even looked over there, and of course there was a guy that was uncovered. And I don't know who's supposed to be making the line call, but they didn't react either. Mm-hmm. And of course um, the result was, of course, Geno getting a concussion. So hopefully everybody and the team will go over that. They will learn from um, from that. You know, you need to look left, look right, and um, and do what he needs to do. But uh, that's all a part of him uh, knocking some of the rust off of uh, off of the quarterback there. Yeah, of course. I mean, you can just see that uh, what ended up happening is that uh, this group had not really done a lot together. I mean, they really weren't in sync. I mean, you can see that uh, they were very protective coaching-wise because they only ran the ball three times, and they tried to pass it and you know take, take it. And advantage. the other thing was Gruden, man. Yeah. Why is he blitzing, man? It's a preseason game early on, and he's – and he's, you know, he's got them coming, yeah. man. Like, gee whiz, man. But anyway, um, uh, I saw some good things. I saw the um, uh, the rookies um, mm-hmm. that, that look good out there. Uh, the one that didn't play last year, uh, uh, Taylor. D- Daryl Taylor, yeah. Yeah. So, and then Green looked good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot. And I like Brian Monet. There's a lot of good things to look at. And we'll see how they do further on. Uh, I would like to see Witherspoon, uh, Witherspoon uh, do a little bit uh, harder tackling. And, of course, Trey Flowers. A lot of people built him up. Yeah. Uh, he looked good in practice. Well, you know what's coming. If you go against the same players mm-hmm. with running the same plays um, time after time, so you pretty much know what's coming. But he gets out there Saturday, and he does the same thing he's been doing for three years. I mean, he doesn't know how to find the ball. He doesn't. You can't tell when the receiver is about to put his hands up and catch the ball. Either he overreacts and grabs, or he doesn't react soon enough. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, he started off as a safety, but um, I don't know. It, it, I don't know if it's time for to move on from that guy. I'm not a real fan of his. And uh, to me, you know, I, I thought he's been given a lot of chances. Yeah. But uh, overall, uh, we're going to the game tonight. All my right. wife and I. And of course, we'll be masking up, and um, you know, we 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 all got our shots. Um, you know, Good. we got our shots, and we're gonna be masking up, and uh, we're gonna see how it goes. See if the um, the twelves are gonna be muffled with everybody mm-hmm. wearing a mask, or they're gonna let it boom like they always do. Well, it's gonna be interesting, also too. It's like uh, Pete Carroll mentioned this yesterday that Trey Boston is com- uh, the draft choice is competing for a starting job. Which yeah, I, thought, I like that. Yeah. But, I mean, that's the way it used to be. I mean, the best man wins. Don't play favorite. Mm-hmm. I mean, why are you going to try to carry uh, somebody that uh, that's not pulling his own weight, you know? I mean, he's a liability. And you know how football is. Yeah. I mean, you got a weakness. They're going to go right at it, man. Mm-hmm. And they're not going <laughs> to cut you any slack. But um, 
Um, it'd be interesting to see. I'm, I'm, uh, the guys that I'm looking forward to, to seeing is um, one of the guys on the offensive line, our, the guard that we picked up, Gabe Jackson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I thought that Fuller uh, actually looks better than Posick. Yeah, he seems a little bit uh, to hold the line a lot uh, sturdier. He's a little bit quicker. Uh, Posick, he's got a disadvantage in that he's so tall. But um, Fuller is—he's tall also, but he just seems to be a little bit more stouter uh, against the, uh, you know, holding the hole in the line there. But um, anyway, I, I love the defensive ends. I, I'm, I'm seeing visions of uh, what happened um, with our Super Bowl year. I'm not saying we're going to the Super Bowl, but you recall that uh, Bennett didn't start. Averill didn't start either. Averill no. didn't start either. And um, we, we we came at those guys in waves. We'd wear them down with the other defensive ends, and we'd bring in, the, you know, the daggers, you know. Mm-hmm. And which is kind of like what um, Tampa Bay did. Tampa Bay was loaded, man, and yeah. on the defensive line. And, of course, it didn't help that uh, Kansas City lost both tackles. And, of course, um, everybody got to see what Russell Wilson's been going through. When you had a guy like Mahomes who was running for his life, mm-hmm. I mean, he didn't look too good, you know. It's like, um, I don't care who you are, if you get in a rush, you know, you're not going to be as great as you think you are. But uh, anyway, that being said, I look forward to the night, and I hope um, uh, you have a good rest of the day, John. Okay, Rick, hey, thank you. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Also taking your text questions, you can text us uh, on the <coughs> Mac and Jack uh, text line at 710-710 from the 253. Love hearing you talk to other old ESPN guys because you talk to Howie Schwab. Uh, do you have any favorite old school ESPN stories you can share with us? I mean, again, it's like I had such a great experience for 22 years with ESPN. I mean, love the idea that I was one of the first to get, you know, be able to, you know, work from home with the camera in the studio and all that stuff. Certainly the commercial was just absolutely great. I mean, it was great, uh, certainly at the, at the games, you know, going to the games for ESPN.com, but also being able to do uh, right before, uh, with, with certainly the the hits, you know, with uh, you know, uh, right before we went the countdown and all that stuff. Bob Lee, of course, uh, you know, he would come to me and we would do all those hits. That was fun. I still I still think one of the one of the great stories was, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not, I'm on the field and Kevin Y comes over and Kevin asked me he says, hey, so you do that uh, you you do that. Uh, stuff from home right it's like yeah yeah it's like so when you're sitting there what do you wear as far as at, underneath the uh you know underneath the uh, sport coat and everything else and i said nothing and he says how can you do that to me it's like I'm, i've got a game coming up now is that thought's going to be going through my head the entire game but it's just great you know when you work at espn that uh you're so well recognized i mean you go through the airports and people you know come over and say different things and are very positive such a great thing to do but again you know the espn experience was just absolutely fantastic from the 509 what do you see as the pass rush attempt ratio with this offense uh uh, we'll still letting Russ cook, John. No, let, let's stay away from the let Russ cook, okay? I mean, you can saw it paid a bad price in the second half of the season. Let's stay away from that. Let's you know run the uh, you know, Shane Waldron type offense. Let Shane call plays and let because again a little bit more too tight in, a little less predictable, faster, get rid of the ball quicker. I mean, the one thing is, is that there were 60-40 passing versus run. 
Well, you, that's damaging. That's not Pete Carroll type offense, and that's not the Rams 49ers type offense. And so you need better balance, and they better have better balance. So I don't know if it's going to be 45-50, 46-54, but they need to have it more in that range to be more effective. From the 4-2-5, are there any established Steeler running backs like Snell, Samuels, going to take playing time away from Harris? I don't see it. It's like, a, you know, it's like certainly Snell. It's gonna, you know, he's gonna struggle to make the team. He may, may or may not make the team. I think he will. But right now, this is Harris's team. You know, they got him in the first round. He was the best running back in the draft. He's looked good so far. I'm not, I'm not saying he's gonna get 20 carries a game, but I think what you can look at is he's gonna do very good. Now, any surprises from the first week of NFL preseason? Not really. I mean, I think the biggest surprise is just how much they kept the. You know, starters out, and they kept didn't want to play a lot of players. I mean, 522 players that uh, didn't you know play in the first week, and we still have a lot of teams right now saying they're not going to play their starters this week, and maybe not even next week. So we'll keep track of that. I think the biggest surprise is, and of course, it's not a real surprise, was the lack of scoring. I mean, what was it like, 59 field goals versus 42 touchdowns, and you know the scoring I think was in the 16s on the average. Uh, so, you know, you didn't have a lot of points and you can see, still see the same thing this week where you don't, uh, have a lot of points being scored, a lot of touchdowns being scored, just more field goals. And so it's not made for exciting football, but Hey, it's football and you enjoy it. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Also taking your text questions at 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's text line. Let's go to Jeff in Seattle. Hey, Jeff. Yeah, morning, John. I'm going to make you the GM for the Hawks. Okay. What do you do at the cornerback position as of now? Uh, I, I think you just try to, you know, let it grow. I mean, you know, you got Boston that they, they took, and he's competing for a job. I mean, I think people are still too easy to write off Trey Flowers. I mean, you wait for DJ Reed to come back from his injury. It looks like he's not going to be able to play this week. Uh, you know, it's like uh, you, you, you look and you see if there's going to be some guys that can cut to hell. Because remember, they also have Pierre Desir. You know, they also have Randall. I mean, they have other options right there. But uh, I don't think you panic about it. I think what you come down to, because remember, it's like, say what you want. I mean, uh, Akella Witherspoon looks good so far, I think. So they're good there. It's just a matter of filling out the other cornerback position and seeing what you can do. And if cert- certainly the pass rush can help you out. Okay, I'll, yeah, put, well, you presumably, put the... presumably it's going to be Reed at the other corner, right? What, what's that? I said presumably it'll be DJ Reed at the other corner. Yeah, you would think so, sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it's like I, I, you just kind of wait it out. And again, there's no panic right now. So it's like, uh, I mean, would you, who, who would you go outside and get? Well, I don't know. I guess a guy, an old veteran like Kirkpatrick might be available as a free agent, somebody like that. I don't know. Yeah, but they got, they got, a, they got a veteran who's been in the system in Pierre Desir. So he would be like the uh, Kirkpatrick and all that stuff. I mean, Kirkpatrick went to Arizona, and I don't know if he's going to make the team there. But, uh, you know, it's like... You know, you, you just kind of you watch and you look and you see, and then you see what you can do. Okay, one last question for you. Do you think you're going to play Dunlap and Hyder both at the ends and, and have Taylor kind of in that linebacker slot uh, uh, first down? I, I, right now it's it's interesting because in the games, you know, they uh, well, in the game, I mean, they had uh, 
Taylor play uh, defensive end more so outside linebacker, you know, because certainly, I mean, you know, they, uh, they'll mix and match, but I mean, yeah, because I think that, uh, you know, Kerry Hyder has a good chance to be the five technique. We'll see how he does against uh, OJ Collier and Rasheem Green and guys like that. But, uh, you know, there'll be more of a rotation. But that's the thing that I think is the beauty of things. Don't forget, you got Benson Mayo and all that stuff. But I don't think there's any question right now. Dunlap uh, came to this team and was the best pass rusher. He changed the whole nature of what they were doing as a uh, pass rush unit. And, uh, you know, he, he needs the best chance. He looks in good shape. And so, uh, you know, he's he's the lead dog right now. Yep. D-line looks pretty good. I'm worried about the corner still. Yeah, it's understandable. I mean, again, it's a big, it's still a question mark. But, uh, you know, like every team, they're going to have their question marks. All right, John. Have a good day now. All right, thanks. In fact, if you look around the division, you know, a lot of a lot of the cornerback positions in the AF, in the NFC North uh, or NFC West is uh, in, uh, really. I mean, you got Jason Verrett on the one side, but you have, still have questions on the other side for San Francisco. I mean, you know, Patrick Peterson's no longer in Arizona, and so uh, are they going to be good enough? I mean, Robert Alford missed, has missed two seasons, and they need him to start, and that's got to be a little bit scary. Then uh, you go to the Rams. I mean, the Rams lost Troy Hill. Are they good enough at the cornerback position? So, I mean, that's the one thing in this division. There's a lot of question marks at the cornerback position. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Give us a call here. Of course, coming up at the bottom of the hour, we'll get our weekly dose of the Graz with Dave Grosby. We're also taking your text questions at 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's text line uh, from the 425. Are we putting too much importance on preseason? If no starters are even going to play, why are we watching? Well, I mean, because uh, it's football. That's why we're watching. But, uh, yeah, I think that you can see you know, a lot of the younger coaches and more coaches are taking a position. It's like the preseason isn't as important because they're keeping so many starters out. I mean, that's uh, you, know, you, you can see it. I mean, the Rams last week had 38 players who uh, didn't play in the game. The Seahawks were the third most with 31, and we'll see how long they go. But I think what you're looking at is a whole new preseason as far as the preseason games because, you know, uh, what you're looking at is that you don't want to risk injury. You want to try to take a look at the younger players, the older players. I mean, you can watch and practice and see all those different things. So it's a, it's a different type of preseason, and at some point maybe they phase out the preseason games. I mean, we're down from four to three. You know, probably two is going to be the better number, but, of course, you don't want to lose – if you're the owners, the revenue of losing another preseason game. But, hey, what do you do? Uh, they were able to have the 17-game regular season to make up for it, so they get more revenue, not less. From the 360, which NFL stadiums are you most looking forward to returning to? Obviously, looking forward to getting back to Pittsburgh. Uh, that That's always a great place to go. Uh, you know, Green Bay, still a little bit of a drive when because I usually fly into Chicago and drive my way up and haven't booked that trip yet. Uh, always good to get down to Arizona. I'm looking forward, I guess, probably more than anything else to see what it looks like for the Rams in their new stadium, because I know that, uh, as one of the callers said, they had problems down there in their first game with the Rams and the Chargers and the fact that they ran out of food, which is just kind of crazy. Uh and had all kind of problems in that and had all kind of fights in the stands and all that stuff. So, but looking forward to seeing that. 
uh, always good to go down to San Jose and see the 49ers stadium. So a lot of the West Coast games, that'll be interesting to go to. From the 206, looks like the NFC West will be one of the most competitive divisions again. Which division do you think will be the worst this season? Well, I, I still look at uh, the NFC East as not being very good. I mean, they didn't have a winning team last year. They're going to be better this, this year because I think Dallas is going to be better. Washington has a great defense. Giants could be a sleeper team. So that, I think, uh, you know, can work out real well. Uh, AFC South, depending on what happens with Indianapolis, because Indy right now, they don't know if Carson Wentz and Quentin Dunbar or Quentin Nelson are going to be able to be there for the opening game. And remember, I mean, the Colts open up, they've got uh, five games against teams that have 10 wins or more last year. And if they get off to a bad start, it's a one team division right now with Tennessee. So that could end up being pretty bad, particularly if the Colts get off to a bad start because of the Wentz injury. Are they going to be good enough with Jacob Eason or Sam Erlinger or what at the quarterback position? Uh, you know, from the four two five, any chance that Drake Kirkpatrick could be signed as a free agent? Yeah, I guess it's a chance, but wouldn't really count on it. I think that uh, right now, I think they want to go with the guys and they have, and you know, get DJ Reed healthy and get him back on the field and see where he stands. So that can go eight six six nine seven nine ESPN. 206-421-ESPN. Give us a call. And, of course, our weekly dose of the, the Graz with Dave Brodsky coming up here at the bottom of the hour. From the 253, which quarterback do you feel has the best college career who didn't have a good uh, NFL career? Well, I mean, there's no doubt that uh, Tim Tebow had a great college career, and he was terrible in the NFL. Couldn't throw the ball well. Thought he, you know, was one of the better college players you can run across. But in the pros, he was terrible. I mean, that's why, you know, you watched all the three and outs, all the bouncing passes and all that stuff. I mean, Sam Rosen certainly you look at as a big disappointment, you know, because he was the 10th pick in the draft and had a real good college career. But he was now the 49ers released him. And that's now four teams that have let him go. So that. That does not go well. So overall, I mean, you, you get, you know, and usually what ends up happening uh, and uh, you get, you know, all these first round picks, half of them work, half of them do, do not work. And that that doesn't go over very well. Johnny Manziel had a great college career and he didn't go. He was terrible in the pros. And so a lot of it had to be just his personality, his work ethic, lack of work ethic and anything else. So it's like you get to see these things. And of course, it can be disappointing. But hey, it is what it is. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. It is time for our weekly dose of the Graz with Dave Grosby. And so, David, uh, I guess one of the stories that uh, is lurking is the fact that you've got the Pac-12, the Big Ten, and the ACC in the next seven or so days coming together on some kind of alignment. How could that work and what could happen? (laughs) <laughs> almost anything could happen john yeah. uh, and and the, the one thing about it is i don't read a whole lot into what they're saying is going to happen in yeah. it they're, they're talking about uh you know not not taking out power power five schools not taking out sec schools not messing with traditional games uh i i think that this is a complete this is the dictionary definition of a fluid situation so uh i still have got a feeling that when push comes to shove you're going to see the um 
the the SEC uh, slash Texas Oklahoma group. You know, add a few more schools. You'll see this group. Uh, you know, coalesce on, uh, under what they have, and and perhaps shed a few more schools. And I think you'll see a couple of. Uh, you'll see more of a more of an NFL sort of look, where you have uh, the old days of an AFL and NFL. Now you got AFC NFC, two conferences. Um, you know, in this case, a much bigger. You know, playing uh, for for a championship, uh, you know, and then then meeting meeting to decide the overall championship. So I think anything is possible. I, very little is going to be resolved in the next week or so. This is a, a continu- uh, absolutely fluid situation that will be the uh, will be the noise underneath the college football season all year long. Yeah, I mean, is it, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, it's probably a good thing. Uh, although at the end of the day, it's, it's hard to make that determination right now because these are all guys flying on the seat of the, by the seat of their pants. These are guys that don't have any idea of what to do that should have been planning on it beforehand or simply reacting to what the, the SEC did. And, and, uh, you know, the SEC is still in league with, mm-hmm. with ESPN. So, I mean, they're, 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 they are the unquestioned Kings of all this, but, um, they're trying to, you know, for, I'll say this. For the Pac-12, this is good because in terms of money that they generate, they're well behind the Big Ten and actually behind the ACC And if you get right down to it. So it's good news for the Pac-12, though. At the end of the day, we'll see how many of the Pac-12 schools would be included in whatever they wind up coming up with going into the, the seasons that are coming. But uh, I think that, you know, it, it's everything is preliminary. Every meeting is preliminary. You're not going to see a single thing resolved in this till probably next summer. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing that's so weird about it is the fact that, I mean, now I mean, you, you go from the West Coast with the uh, Pac-12 to the East Coast with the ACC. Uh, you can see a little bit okay with, you know, the Big Ten because at least there's, you know, two alliances that they have. I mean, you got the Rose Bowl and you've got the, you know, so they're more in the middle of the country to a certain degree. But again, it's like a West Coast to East Coast type of thing. That's so different. It is, but you know, I mean, it's 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 where your non-conference games will go if you keep a loose affiliation of your conferences. Uh, you, you'd play your non-conference games specifically against uh, other members of your quote-unquote uh, big group there. Uh, that that's a possibility. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen because these guys, let me reiterate and underline, do not know what is going to happen. They do not have a crystal ball. They do not know what it's going to look like. They do not know what this setup is going to be like. They're simply just reacting to the times, reacting to the SEC who, who added Texas and Oklahoma and, and are in a position to, to literally, you know, I mean, really have their, have their own, their own smaller conference with their own championship game. And, and they'd have their own, their own television deal for that. So uh, it's uh, it's mass confusion in, in the NCAA and it's not likely to change anytime soon. No. What's what happens with the, uh, the big 12? Well, the Big 12 is is, is it, the way it looks right now is no longer a, a conference in name. It, it's you know they've got schools that are left uh, like TCU and West Virginia are unattractive to to most of the other conferences. So they're looking to to pick up the pieces with with some some of the and I do believe some of the Pac-12 schools and perhaps ACC schools will be left out of whatever alliance they wind up with. They'll be looking to pick up those crumbs uh, and uh, probably aligning with with other groups to, to come up with their own quote-unquote super conference, which would be a notch below. So, so um, you know, they, they're, they're, it's just, it's difficult to, to under, to, to really downplay the fact that this is, this is absolute bedlam. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody knows what's going on. The pack, the, the other uh, big 12 schools don't know why they've been left in the cold. Don't know what to do. Don't know who to talk to. Don't know who to complain to. 
So it's uh, it's it's the wild, wild west in college football and college sports right now. And it sure looks like the NCAA is not going to be involved in uh, just about any of this. No, no. I mean, uh, Mark Emmert is, uh, if he's not replaced, and, and I don't know why he wouldn't be, is just uh, saying we're going to, we're quote-unquote sharing power. The only thing that they've got their, their mitts into now that, that has any significance is, is um, their deals for college basketball, but no one knows how those will look if if you've got uh, you know these schools that are breaking away with their conferences. So you know, that's the only revenue source they have. Uh, the the college football uh, you know schools uh, have, have taken their football revenue away from the NCAA for the most part for a long time, significant revenue away. Mm-hmm. So you know the only revenue they've got left to hang on to is basketball. And uh, again, I'm I'm not certain how basketball looks when you've got conferences going off on their own like this. So. You know, Mark Emmerich is trying to desperately, uh, as, as Eastern European governments did when they collapsed during communism, trying when communism collapsed, trying desperately to keep kind of a, a little umbrella thing going uh, with, with a lot of power to the conferences. But it's very hard for me to see how the NCAA figures in the long term of, of this whole thing. Yeah. And poor, if, I mean, if you're taking the, uh, you know, the big five schools and uh, pulling them away from the NCAA, think about the difference it's going to be with the all the other uh, NCAA teams uh, that you know, right. thought, you know, the Division One and all that stuff. I mean, it's going to be crazy. Well, they'll all be pulled away, and they'll they'll lose a lot of big payday games. I mean, those games would 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 theoretically become a thing of the past, and they'll have to start playing each other a little bit more. And and it'll be uh, it'll look a little bit more like it won't be like. It'll look a little bit more like college football looked when there was Division Two and Division Three, and you know they'll have they'll have they'll have conferences based on that, based on size like that. So, you know what they'll try and do is try and figure out a way where. I'm just speculating here, John. Yeah. But I, I'm I'm gonna guess that, that that at the end of the day you've got you've got uh, a couple of super conferences set up that basically play regular seasons of their own, and you know if there are four of them, then then they uh, get invited to a to a to another level of playoff, uh, a college football playoff, a super playoff, uh, as it were, and um, you know that way maybe some of the smaller schools could find their way in that to even have a chance at a national championship. Though it would not surprise me if they did not. So. Um, they're going to have to find out. They're going to have to find their own way going forward. They're going to have to find their own playoff system going forward. They have to find their own network uh, companion going forward, and and um, we'll see who who steps up. You know, certain certain guys at certain schools are going to be stars in the next 18 to 24 months. We don't know who, mm-hmm. but uh, they will become apparent as, as as this process goes on. How do you uh, what what happens to the schools like Boise State, BYU, and even Notre Dame? I wouldn't put Notre Dame in there, but I, I would, I would, I would put Washington State and Oregon State in there. Yeah. I mean, you know, they're not schools that are likely to 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 advance to to a, if it becomes a a super conference with with those with those three conferences mentioned. I don't think they'll include all the schools, so I think those schools will definitely, you know, will have to will have to reconsider. They could they could find themselves involved in a deal with the remnants of of the uh, of the Big Twelve and. And, um, you know, perhaps some of the AAFC schools, you know, a few of them, a few of the Texas schools that are that are playing D1 now in conferences like the WAC, even Texas State, things like that. You know, that's 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 likely to be where where they wind up in, in some sort of loose confederation. Hmm, interesting. Speaking of Washington State, what's your thoughts on how Nick Rolovich has been handling the vaccination <coughs> questions and not wanting to get vaccinated? And then the mandate comes down from Governor Inslee. It's like, OK. If you're going to be a coach, if you're going to be uh, an employee of a school, I mean, you got to get vaccinated. 
you know, regardless of how you feel about it one way or the other, I mean, the guy is, is, is I don't see how he doesn't get fired, John. Mm-hmm. If he's going to continue <clears throat> to, to act the way he's acting and, and uh, you know, um, not answer questions when he was specifically asked, you know, are you going to get the vaccine by October 18th, which is the deadline the governor did for full compliance or lose your job seven games into the 12 game season? He said, I'll follow the mandate, which, you know, doesn't answer the question. So, um, you know, for Washington State, it's a terrible situation. But look, they, they've got some cover here from from how the state has acted. If they want to make a move on their head coach, you know, they can. And I, I think that they probably should. But I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I think they will. I mean, he is the highest paid state uh, state employee, even higher paid than uh, than Jimmy Lake over at Washington. So, um, you know, that, I don't know if that enters into it or not, but but um, it's a, just a, a terrible situation that he's put Washington State in and, and has refused to answer a question that he really, in this circumstance, can't refuse to ask. I know. Answer. It's, Forgive it's, me. it's pretty bad, isn't it? I mean, uh, <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it is. I mean, he, there was a loophole. That employees in, in education, you know, weren't 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 applying, didn't apply to them. All state workers, but those involved in education, that loophole disappeared this week. Uh, so, you know, the 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 full vaccine mandate is in by October the 18th. Like I said, that's seven, six or seven games in the Washington State season. He either gets the the mandate then, or he's got to he's got to lose his job. And mm-hmm. if Washington State lets it go that far, it would be a shame. But um, they don't appear to be on solid ground yet as terms of what they're going to do. Uh, I'm curious to see what they do do. But, you know, if Rolovich wants to keep his job, he's got to get a vaccine. Yeah, no he, question about he, it. He, he's, I think he had the opportunity to, to say that, that, that there was a health reason. He didn't say it. Um, so I, I, I don't see any other, other way that this can go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just very, very weird. On the baseball side of it, I guess yeah. we can't need to talk too much about last night's 12-3 to loss to Houston. But, boy, uh, the series against Texas was wild. But uh, here the Mariners came out, and they're 10 games above 500, except for that loss now to Houston. Right, we can throw that loss out. They're, they're allowed yeah. to have a clunker every now and then. It was, it was a, a tremendous – though it does show you the, the – Baseball giveth and baseball taketh away. You know, you think that you, you get that incredible emotional win over Texas when your bullpen blew a big lead, but you managed to come back and win. And you see how momentum is in baseball. It doesn't doesn't readily make itself apparent because then the next game they, they get their doors blown off by, by Houston, obviously a better team, but there's still time to, to, to make some hay in this series. I think you're a little more concerned about the fact that Kikuchi has had a couple of now bad outings since the All-Star game. Uh, he was he just did not have it yesterday, and, and I'm it, it's got that look where he's lost a couple of MPH off off his pitches that you wonder if he's hurt or not. That'll be something we, that that we figure out in the days to come. But you know, they've still got a chance to bounce back against Houston. Although Dusty Baker's got a very good Houston team playing just that way very well. It, it goes to show how smart Houston was when when the whole thing went down, the cheating scandal went down, and there was going to be all this all this pressure on them. Uh, how smart they were to get an old hand like Dusty Baker, who's been there and done that, who's won everywhere he's gone who would not mind standing up and taking a bullet for the team, which he did when he said, you know, uh, that he thought pe- people were, were, were dogging on the team too much and 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 um, and were, were, were booing him too much and, and, and took some of the heat for that. Uh, he, he's now got a team that, even though they lost George Springer, is hitting on all cylinders, is playing very, very well, and, and it's not surprising. Dusty Baker's won everywhere he's gone. No, no question about it. Of course, it didn't help the the Mariners that Castillo end up going on the injured list with shoulder inflammation today. How much is yeah. that going to hurt? Well, it's not going to hurt as much as his performance in the Oof. eighth inning did the other day. Oh, that's so, awful. 
Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, that that actually, if I'm a Mariner fan, I'm breathing a sigh of relief. You know, otherwise, you're thinking this guy was a waste. But now it's like, oh, okay, he's got he's got an issue. So it's a little easier to understand his lack of effectiveness. Obviously, it, it, it hurts to lose another arm. But but uh, to have a reason why Castillo has not looked like the guy that, that he was with Tampa is something that the Mariners can breathe a little bit easier about, assuming he can get back from that injury, you know, and, and get back to where he was. Uh, he should be fine. But that goes – you want to know why guys aren't pitching well, John. Yeah. You don't want to just see guys suddenly lose it and, and not have any, any answer for it. This this appears to be an answer for it. Yeah, because the fastball went down to about 91 miles an hour. Yeah. That's just not Casillo. He's faster than that. I mean, he started out not going well with the Mariners. Then he had some, you know, eight, eight or so good uh, relief appearances. And then, of course, the one on Thursday night was just awful. Right. He's he, look. He, this is a pro who's done it before, and uh, when healthy, he can do it. So, I'm not too I'm not too worried about him. Assuming that this is something that he can bounce back from. Yeah. Of course. I'll, uh, you got the Seahawk game tonight against mm-hmm. Denver. So, what are you looking forward to in that one? Uh, I think that that the, the the real obvious things are people are looking for better cornerback play, and and I think that that'll be under some scrutiny. And and I kind of agree with the the big narrative that Rashad Penny. Okay, here you go. I mean, this is. You, you, you better you, – I, I, if I were the Seahawks, I'd give him the ball 15 times and, and would see what he could do with it. And, and if he's going to get hurt, he's going to get hurt. Let, you know, Normally I'd hate to see that happen in a, in a practice game, but you've got to know what you've got with this guy. So I, I would think that, that Rashad Penny and, and the cornerback play is of, of most interest to, to most Seahawks fans tonight. Yeah. What would you think of the first uh, preseason weekend with 522 players not uh, playing in the huh. games and so many starters that didn't get a chance to get in? Well, John, you know what I think. Yeah. I think that, that the NFL is coming around to my way of thinking that, that preseason games are a waste of time. They're unnecessary. Last year proved it, and, and uh, most most teams do not want to have their top players uh, risking uh, any the, the way things are nowadays, risking the, the, the contracts that they have in, in practice games. So I think it's it's a giant step forward to, to having games that count only in the NFL, which means a 19-20 game schedule, of course. Yeah. And, of course, you had uh, <clears throat> about 16 teams having joint practices, and some of them yeah. got out, totally out of control. I mean, you had four fights in the uh, in one day with Tennessee and Tampa Bay and Antonio Brown ripping off the helmet of a cornerback, punching him in the face. I mean, you had both uh, the Rams and Raiders getting into fights to a point where you know uh, Sean McVay takes his uh, team, takes him to the bus early, and John Gruden rips the team for uh, you know, all that stuff. I mean, it's been kind of crazy. Yeah, they're trying to. It's, I know that the the point of those practices are to, to have more uh, you know competition going on, to have you know take advantage of times you can hit and 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 whatnot. But it doesn't seem to me like this is necessarily going to be the way to go in the future because you're right. The the it's an epidemic of mm-hmm. of teams fighting. You know, which which far you know when someone gets hurt doing that, far over weighs the, outweighs the value of having other teams in there. So what's on the Gras agenda this weekend? Uh, hopefully, uh, Mariner victories. Hopefully, Seahawks uh, stay injury injury clean and and uh, good health for all. John, there you go. That's our daily, our weekly dose of the Graz with Dave Grosby. Dave, have yourself a good week and talk to you next week. Sounds great, John. Thank you. Eight six six nine seven nine ESPN two zero six four two one ESPN. John Clayton Show seven ten ESPN Seattle. This is the John Clayton Show on seven ten ESPN Seattle and seven ten Sports and our thanks to Matt Nelson for running the show. Our thanks to Matt Nelson for producing the show. Uh, Sports Saturday coming up at the top of the hour. 
Uh, and let's go to Victor in Auburn. Hey, Victor. Victor, are you there? Hey, John. Another great show. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, hey, uh, I was lucky enough to catch uh, a couple of your serious shows this week. I just happened to turn by and heard the, the end of one, so I had to rewind it. But uh, good job. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. I was able to do three in the last week. How about that? Yeah, I know. The first time, I, uh, like I said, I missed three-fourths of the show, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, every every three hours, I'd go back to the different times the next day to see if there was a, you're on again. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, uh, hey, a couple quick questions. Uh, tonight's game, the the Bronco offensive line, do you think that the, uh, the center position is still up for grabs with Cushenberry and uh, Moneris? Because I've heard there's been a lot of problems with the snap. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think Cushenberry has the lead, but of course, I think he's a little bit banged up right now, so that's still wide open. It looks like right tackle is also open, because Calvin Anderson is going to get the start at right tackle tonight uh, over Bobby Massey, but it seems like that, that job's even. So it looks like there's two jobs on the offensive line that are still in question right now. Okay, and then uh, how much playing time do you think uh, they're going to put Pat- or Patrick Peterson, the, the Patrick Sutan? I think that, uh, well, he's banged up too, so I don't know if he's going to be able to play tonight. Uh, but overall, I think that, uh, you know, he, that I, I, don't you get the feeling they're going to trade Bryce Callahan? Well, that, that's what I was thinking, especially they, they said they need to get him on the field. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, because, again, it's like Patrick Tertan. I mean, he looks like he has a great chance to win Defensive Rookie of the Year. He's that good. Pick six last week. He's been one of the stars in training camp. He's looked fantastic. Yeah, they say that he, he's, he's demanding, not demanding, but he needs to be on the field because he's so many plays he can make and, and the coverage he can do with these co- uh, wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, one last question. Uh, after this coming up week, how soon do you think uh, Fangio, or who, actually do you think it's Fangio's call to make on who the yeah. quarterback is, or do you think it's going to be Peyton? No, it's, it's Fangio's. And I think he, I mean, if Locke does well as the backup tonight, uh, then I think he gets the job because I think most people in Denver, seeing that he had five completions for 151 yards last week, he's got more talent than uh, Teddy Bridgewater. He can throw deeper and they can do more play action stuff, which is important because they've got a good running game. That uh, <clears throat> I think they could name it as early as Monday. Hey, Victor, yeah. thank you for the phone call. All right, take care, John. Have Let's go week. to Commando Dave. David, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great, John Clayton. Dang it. Great to be back on the John Clayton Show on 710 Cairo, home of the Bronco-busting Seattle Seahawks and the rebounding Seattle Mariners. And as a Dodgers fan, I implore you to please. In fact, in the words of Winston, and speaking of pounding dirt, John Clayton, let me give a shout-out to Bob and Molly Rondell for their horse background, winning the Long Acres Mile by a nose uh, in a photo finish last week at Emerald Downs. Written by Rocco Bowen, and while I'm giving shout-outs, John Clayton, I'm going to give one to Ricka. If you're bringing salmon from Alaska, I'll meet you at the stadium. And, of course, i got to give a shout-out to Matt the MC Nelson for getting me on the air so I can bring it to the show. And speaking of Matt Nelson, John Clayton, mm-hmm. is he pulling a big four today by work, working the outdoor line, the John Clayton show, Mariners baseball, see us rise, and see us football? Yeah, I mean he is. I mean that's uh, but that's Matt. I mean he's he's always there to work and he does such a great job. But what a long day that's going to be. I'm telling you, you know, I'm going to say at the end of this show and right before the pregame show, he should threaten to walk out 
uh, unless he gets a race. So go get him, Matt. And on the subject of power moves, John Clayton, what would happen if the Seattle Seahawks decided they wanted to go back to the AFC West and just packed up the bags, uh, loaded the buses, Ken Baring style, and rolled back to the AFC West? And not only that, John Clayton, but convinced the Carolina Panthers to move back to the NFC West. What would happen? Uh, I mean, it's not going to happen because the league doesn't want that to happen. They're content right now with the way the divisions are. But they did it anyway. Yeah, but, you know, it's I think at this stage, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, you've got the best division in football and the Seahawks are in it right now. It's going to be competitive, but also you look John at the— Clayton, let me, I hate to cut you off, but you're, you're, you're answering a ridiculous question in a yeah. serious manner because you're a serious football guy. Of course, I'm being ridiculous, John Clayton, to underscore— the ridiculousness of Texas and Oklahoma yeah, yeah, punching yeah. their tickets for the SEC and the National Collegiate Athletic Association as the sanctioning body of collegiate athletics had absolutely nothing to do with it. As you and the girls were talking about earlier, it's head-scratching that it doesn't even have to start with a petition mm-hmm. to the NCAA. The, the NCAA may as well just go by NA and leave collegiate and athletic out of it because uh, now this, as you guys were talking about, has opened up, uh, uh, created a, a domino effect. Yeah. Uh, and now you have other conferences trying to um, uh, react to that. And lastly, John Clayton, do the Jets have both of the two first rounders they traded uh, Jamal Adams for yet? Uh, I think so, yeah. I'm, 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 I, I, although, no, I, I have to think about next year. But, uh, you know, they, they, they got them last year. So I think they still have, they still have both picks, no doubt, no doubt. Hey, Commando, thank you for the phone call. My best wish is great, John Clayton. All right, thank you. We'll be back next week. And, of course, coming up next, it's Seattle Sports Saturday, John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.